Hello, hello, hello. I am your Craig Claiborne, hostess with the most is Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth. In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. Goosebumps. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara especially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I am your hostess with the most is Munoz. And how y'all doing? Um, what did I tell you, y'all? We are basically at the end of August. Labor Day is right around the corner, uh, which means, sadly, that le summer c'est fini. Yes, I am international, folks. <laughs> I have been a man about town between work and just travel, and I have to say I am happy to be home. Listen, I am blessed and highly favored uh, because of everything I do in life, but um, I am happy to be home and in New York and just settled and in my bed uh, for a moment, you know? And as the summer comes to an end, y'all, like, why are people, like, taking, stealing our joy? Like, why... Why is the Choco Taco going away? Why is... There was something else I read that's, like, no longer. I'm like, why are you trying to steal our joy? Is is this, like, a premonition of, like, a not-so-cute fall? What do we think? Yep. I'm I'm totally Dora the Exploring you right now. Like, with just deep silences. Anywho, um, in other news, um, I didn't get nominated for People's Choice Podcast Awards. I am not popular. But what did happen is Amazon Music is uh, featuring me for I don't know how long, but they reached out to me. And they are showing me all the love. So no matter how you listen, you should be listening through Amazon Music because they are showing me all the love and support these days. Other than that, I am super excited for today's guest. So I am just going to get to the getting on because um, I did a call to action on the Instagram and one person, shout out to you, Grossy Pelosi, Dan Pelosi, everybody's pasta mom on the internet who hooked it up for me. But everybody else was just thirsting over this person. Um, The amount of DMs I received was ridiculous. So without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only, Vaughn Freeland, say hi. Hello. How's it going? How are you? Um, oh. I'm great. How are you? I'm I'm doing great. You know, hearing you talk about the end of summer made me a little bit sad. Um, Leo season's coming. How did we feel about the Choco Taco? Okay. Was anybody really eating Choco Tacos, though? Like, we're all sad about it going away. But w- when was the last time you had a Choco Taco? I mean, I had to be... Listen, I grew up in Brooklyn, and we depended on the good humor man. All right? The ice cream truck passing by. So I loved... I loved the strawberry shortcake. I loved the toasted almond. And I loved the choco taco. But it's 
it, I also don't eat ice cream because I would never be able to leave the bathroom. So, <laughs> we, my coworker and I have a like a running bit that everybody else hates about like like when we're on set and ordering coffee is like make mine black because if it had any milk in it, I'd have to take a sabbatical, and everybody else yep. just, like, absolutely hates it. But we mm-hmm. get a kick out of it. Mm-hmm. I love the good humor truck. It is. I mean, obviously a staple, um, big strawberry shortcake, big toasted almond. Like those are just things that you can't recreate at home. And I'm obsessed with them. Yeah. But no Choco Taco, huh? Well, you know, I'm allergic to peanuts and I think I want to say that the Choco Taco has peanuts in it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's like right on top. Yeah, you know, so like I, I couldn't eat, I couldn't eat the choco taco, but no, I but have, but it it gave everybody like license for free choco taco content. The amount, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Inevitably, they're gonna they're gonna bring it back at some point, like a dunk, yeah, right? It's like they're gonna bring it back, and it's gonna be this big thing. It's gonna be a moment, like the sweethearts, the sweet tarts, or not the sweet tarts. The conversation hearts went away. Yes. Yeah. The Necco wafers went away. Listen, y'all out there in your mouth, listeners, for those of you that have been with me for a very long time, you have seen in the news cycle the food news cycle where things disappear and come back and you know go fund me's and you know elon musk will take it over <laughs> and do put a microchip in it and yeah. we'll be great you yeah. know <laughs> well listen we are off to the races already you and i both are caffeinated and just chomping at the bit here you know i always say i like my coffee like i like my men in me so <laughs> I'm glad I said that to not, my I Yeah, I said that to my not a family podcast. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's for families. Sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> I said that to my employer the other day and she almost fell on the floor. Um hysterical. Listen, I got to do what I got to do because we're going to be here for like eight hours if I don't. And in the grand tradition of In Your Mouth, Vaughn, I need to wish you happy National Peach Pie Day. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, my God. And it's peach season. A lot of these don't often make sense. This one makes sense. This one does make sense. Yeah, food holidays, I feel like, are always pretty... um, insignificant in my life but this one seems like something that i kind of want to celebrate today you know it's a friday could go to the farmer's market get some nice peaches who doesn't love a good peach um wow no peach pie amazing as a southerner like definitely grew up with you know great south carolina peaches always always a summer staple i think peach pie is like one of my favorite desserts yeah, right? Made for the gays. Peach pie. <laughs> Made for the gays. Absolutely. <laughs> for the food gays. You know what I mean? Um, peach pie. Oh, I can't I can't tell you when the last time I had a slice of pie was, much less a slice of peach pie. But um, I w- when I was visiting my friend in San Francisco, I took a moment to go up to the Russian River Valley. And on the way back to San Fran, I stopped at this farmer's market. And I think I've had the most delicious peaches I've ever tasted in my life. It almost, like, uh, it was like sense memory to that Seinfeld episode, to the Mackinac peach episode. Do you remember that? Were you ever a Seinfeld fan? I was not, but I'm going to have to look that up after this because it, any any peach content, you've got me. Like a, a San Francisco <laughs> peach, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if that was a euphemism for something, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> A no, San Francisco peach, a Georgia peach, an OnlyFans peach, you know. <laughs> yeah. The peach emoji, you got it, you got it. No, I'm definitely yes, yes. All right, all right. Well, maybe we'll see. No, well, maybe we'll see yet another viral video from you um, in that New York Times kitchen. So no matter what you celebrate today, whether it's peach pie, California peaches, or, you know, fuzzy peaches sliding into your DMs, we celebrate you today. And moving right along into this day in gay history, snaps all around. Vaughn, did you know in 1970, 
Oh, and this is very on trend for you, right? Homosexuals in Revolt is a front-page story in the New York Times. The article reports a new mood now taking hold among the nation's homosexuals. In growing numbers, they are publicly identifying themselves as homosexuals, taking a measure of pride in that identity, and seeking militantly to end what they see as society's persecution of them. Wow. That's amazing. That that really is the the food news from today. Yeah. The front page New York Times story. That's awesome. Oh my goodness. Um wow. I I feel very like I feel like that's kind of serendipitous. That Yeah, it really is that yeah, that you're here today. And in your mouth listeners, you probably already know that Vaughn where Vaughn works, but we're going to get to that in a second, but I mean, what is it? 52 years later, we're still Kind of in the same place, doing the same thing? Listen, I was actually uh, in the office the other day, and we have this New York Times museum. And there is this um, kind of part of the museum that's dedicated to Craig Claiborne, who was the editor of the food section for a really long time. And he's, you know, um, a, a well-established, it was a well-established gay man. But it was during the time where we didn't print the word gay. So I was talking with, you know, our editor and we were just kind of like chatting about about things that have evolved and progressed since then. And it was just really interesting because he was the first male food editor. They didn't want a male food editor at the time. Um, And it's just like to to look back on the history then to see where we were, to also see where we are now. Like we've come a long way, but there are still lots of things that stand in our way as as people in food media for sure absolutely absolutely and i mean you know it's why i do these things and i say it ad nauseum at this point you know to keep our history alive and to keep it at the forefronts of our minds and to really realize that it's you know it wasn't really that long ago right and we're not i mean yes we are in a different place but like we're still doing the same things, you know? Yeah. Um, and and it's important. And with that, I'm going to move right along. In your mouth, listeners, if you didn't know, and you probably already do with the amount of you that slid into my DMs about <laughs> one Vaughn Vreeland, from Red Hot and Blue to BuzzFeed to one of the most revered newspapers in the world, Vaughn Vreeland is a supervising producer for the New York Times, where he produces shows and develops recipes for NYT cooking. An avid Celine Dion stand, baker, and home cook, Vaughn can be seen making his latest creations on the New York Times cooking YouTube channel, Instagram, and TikTok. The way to his heart is a stellar Australian accent, fried chicken, and an accounting degree. <laughs> that was iconic. I love that you took my, um, you just put me on blast there. I, I admittedly am very bad at budgeting. Um, so well, yeah, you know, you wouldn't listen. I, I don't, I don't fit the demo for you. You're, I don't fit your preference, your grinder preferences, Vaughn. Um, but all I, all I will say is I am a funny Puerto Rican that can cook. Okay. Take that as you will. Listen, that's, that's all the preferences I need right there. I no, I am not about to go change my, uh, my scruff preferences to like accounting daddies only, but you know, maybe if I can have a friend that can lead me, lead me on the, the right path, that would be great. You know, Yes, absolutely. Listen, I'll connect you to my financial advisor. <laughs> well, you. you know? <laughs> I need it. I need it. Listen, summer is a crazy time. I have, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure as you know, we just, being gay is exhausting. We're just like nonstop. And yeah. I, I feel that strain. I mean, it's it's a very fulfilling thing. Like I'm doing all these fun things, but I feel that strain like, financially mentally emotionally it's i'm i like you said you're about to like kind of take a take a weekend off and and retire to your bed like i feel like i need to oh i'm not taking a weekend off i'm just here (laughs) (laughs) and i haven't been here right that's what i mean that's what that means for us yeah 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 listen i i lost all this weight in may and june and all of a sudden nothing fits again and i'm like 
what is happening? But listen, that's also, you know, perimenopause and being in your 40s. So. <laughs> <laughs> I had you a know, facial speaking. yesterday and I was like, she was like, you have a lot of congestion. I was like, oh, it couldn't be the fact that I've literally had like eight glasses of wine a day for the last 10 days. Um, <laughs> yeah, that or or video head cleaner, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh my God, we are off the rails. I like know, we have taken, we are not even down the yellow brick road. We are off-roading through the poppy fields at this point. You got to keep me on track, honestly. Listen, I, we, I mean, I could go off. I could go way beyond the poppy fields if you need me to. Yes, well, we we will. We absolutely will. And on that track of, you know, life is hard as a gay man, um, especially everything that's happening. But being, being queer and uh, out there in the media um you know i always like to start with the journey and how we ended up here and um i just found it so funny with all the stuff that i post on the internet and my stories right this little call to action of like i need to meet vaughn right produced so many unnecessary dms to me (laughs) that i'm like I can't help you. I'm trying to I'm trying to do one thing right? and you're trying to do something else like hit him up. Right. And he's not going to answer you in his DMs because he he doesn't check them. I found out. But how did we how did we start? How did we get into this food journey? Was it always the goal? Um, wow. So, <laughs> again, thank you for dragging me uh, through the mud about checking my DMs. I need somebody to keep me in check on that. Well, yeah, um, well, listen, when when you're when when you're a pretty face in the forefront and 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 popular and listen, all that video production is not easy, right? And obviously, you work for the New York Times, so you have a team, but it's still not easy. It's a lot of time, right? Yeah. It takes a lot of time. So I'm not mad at you for not checking your DMs. I look, we'll get to the beginnings in just a second, but I kind of think about like, I, I view Instagram a lot of the time as like part of the job sometimes. And yeah. when I, when I hit five o'clock, I just kind of want to like tune out. And so that's honestly why sometimes the, the inbox gets a little bit flooded and then I'll, I'll do like some batch responding here and there, but yeah, no, it definitely, I mean, I I do love it and I love my job and it is, it's really cool because I I studied film in college and I also grew up cooking. So that was like, this is kind of like the perfect intersection for me of, of what I, what I studied, what I wanted to do professionally, but also kind of this like passion that I have. Um, And it was very like, again, serendipitous. When I, I moved to New York, I didn't have a job and I was just freelancing and I applied for like everything. I probably even applied for an accountant position. Like, a, you know, I just was like throwing my resume at anything. And, and I found a job at Buzzfeed. Um, and that was like really my foray into food media. I was making those kind of like viral tasty videos on Facebook, the hands and pans videos and coming up with these like really crazy recipes. And we were just tasked with like, it doesn't matter, you know, like it just needs to look really cool and it needs to be engaging. Um, and, and that was kind of like my intro into developing recipes and really getting to know how food photographs and like these like food styling tricks. And I, I honestly took that and just ran with it cause I loved it so much. Um, and then I began doing stuff in front of the camera whilst producing also, um, which is then how I got to the New York Times and, you know, kind of started the video team there with my colleague Scott. And then, you know, now we've just become this kind of operation, you know, at times it feels like a well-oiled machine and at times it feels like it's completely off (laughs) the tracks because as you said, food is like, it, it is a living, breathing thing. It is this thing that never stops. And uh, holiday is something that we're focusing on now, even though it's summertime and it's just like been really busy. Um, but it's also yeah. very fulfilling, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I love so many things, so many things and not enough time. Uh, first and foremost, Hands and Pans needs to be the name of your cookbook. <laughs> That's <laughs> Take good. it. Take it and run, and I I won't even take the full 10%. I'll take two. 
you know? <laughs> I'll give you, Thank we'll meet you. in the middle. We'll meet in the middle. I'll give you sex. Yes. How about that? Great. Baby. <laughs> um, so that's number one. Number two, um, you work literally right here. And I live right here. I, you work like down the block from me, um, from where I live, which is really funny. So the fact that we haven't even um, crossed pads in the street is really interesting, too, because although New York is a very l- large place, you know, it also is very small and you like yeah. can run into people all I the mean, time. Especially in Hell's Kitchen. Come on. Like the Hell's Kitchen gays are always outside. Yes. Also, I am not a Hell's Kitchen gay. I am a Times Square gay. I live on this side of Eighth Avenue, not that side of Eighth Avenue. Okay. Okay. So, and as a and as a born and raised New Yorker, um, I take pride in that. And number two, these queens will try to throw you across the border and then judge you. So I'm not having none of it. Not from you or any of them. Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm impressed that you're a type. I don't hear any commotion from your end of this podcast like i'm just so you will yeah you will you will you know i I mean hey let's live it up in in times square i love times square i think it's fun i know a lot of new yorkers just kind of like shit on it for it being touristy but like there's it, it is really what like a lot of what built this city, you know, it drove so much tourism, still drives a lot of tourism. It's like you live in the heart of Broadway, which I personally love. Um, Yeah. We should listen. I'll I'll have you over to the roof, right? A roof in Times Square for, for some like Rose Prosecco before the summer ends. And you'll, you'll get to see the 120 square feet of glory that I live in, you know, (laughs) (laughs) 120 glory. I feel like I've, heard that before is that no that was that was that was more you know what i'm not even gonna <laughs> i'm gonna stop i'm gonna quit <laughs> hmm. I, was like, I thought that was in chelsea oh my god oh, now i've lost my train of thought no this um this journey of of finding finding yourself through this food space um is always interesting yes and the crossroads, right? Because I always love, you know, this podcast has always been a celebration of my uh, LGBTQ guests in food. But I, through that, you also get to learn a little bit about me as well. And listen, my journey since 2009 has run the gamut from writing to to making content to, you know, catering to baking custom cakes to hosting random food events to like, you know, and taking those tidbits is like you said, and like running with it because of the love of uh, and the excitement of this business and how chaotic it is um, can be can be really beautiful and insane and and prosperous at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, food is one of those things that connects us in such a deep way. And that's why I mean, that's personally why I love making quote unquote content. And you know, I I am very um careful to use that word because I think that it it can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. But you know, I think that food is one of the food media specifically like really has the ability to connect people. And it's it's really special. You know, I when I was in college I interned in fashion because I thought that I wanted to do fashion video. And that was just not for me. Like, I I would think that I had delusions of grandeur and I really had the rose-colored glasses of, like, this is such a chic thing to do. And when I actually saw, like, you know, forgive the bad pun, how the sausage was made, I was just like, this is not not good for my mental health, personally. You know, food is a much more um, communal thing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um sidebar again you know when you google von vreeland have you obviously your our own computers are tailored to us because big brother's watching you know and so like you really can't google yourself on your own computer but um i mean you can but you're gonna get info that you've already put in there about yourself i find but do you know what the second thing that comes up is when i i when don't you google you I don't want to know. What is it? Well, no, it's actually kind of cool. Um, is Von Vreeland related to Diana? Oh, oh, interesting. Um, 
so this has come up recently a lot because there was a TikTok that we made and it had nothing like it was just a silly TikTok of me reading like a, a comment on one of our recipes and somebody was like oh von vreeland is a nepotism baby and i was like i'm literally not um i if there is a if there is a relation to diana vreeland it is very distant my grandfather who was the Vreeland always said that she was like the second cousin. And, you know, I asked my dad that once and he was like, yeah, I don't know if he was making that up or not. So we don't really know. I mean, it could be true, but if it is true, then it's like fifth cousin twice removed or something. All right. Ancestry.com or (laughs) those, uh, geo, those, uh, what, uh, the genome investigator people. If one of you all out there is listening, I need you to do the work for us and see, and see what the connection is here. You know, as a face that's so um, that's so out there for us, right? In this food media world, do you think do you think it's a little oversaturated and like just there's too much out there? I do. Yeah, I mean, I think that I do, and I don't. I think that there is a lot of, there are a lot of avenues one can take to become a food personality these days. I think that TikTok is an amazing thing for that. I think that TikTok is really great. It's teaching a lot of people how to cook. Um, I also think that there can be, it kind of waters down the quality of food content that's out there though. Um, So I do think that there is some oversaturation of, you know, maybe bad food content and it it's sad because I have a lot of friends who make amazing food TikToks and amazing reels and like it kind of you know maybe bumps them down the algorithm a little bit uh because yeah for for the for people throwing a really expensive steak with a hole in it in a pan with an egg and some mac and cheese listen to ruin everything right exactly (laughs) exactly so when you see that it's just like oh no like makes your head hurt a little bit um but it's also something that we have to like for us at the times we've got to get on board with it or we won't you know effectively we will survive but like we want to be relevant in the food space and that's where that relevance is right now that is where like the cultural like paradigm shift is moving toward the TikToks, the real. So like we're staying on top of that. Um, but it's, you know, we have to really balance out like who we are as a brand as the New York times with also like being like fun and silly on TikTok and like, you know, figuring out what our voice is in this new medium. Yeah, this, um, absolutely. This question just like popped into my head, um, as far. And I think it's just because you're, really at like such a like pinnacle point of like a publication like you know you're you're at the New York Times you know what I mean (laughs) and talk to me about like diversity in food media right because part of the reason is and uh, in your mouth listeners funny sidebar I always start before I hit record I always tell my guests i'm not trying to be barbara walters here so like we're not going to get that that serious and i here i am talk to me about diversity (laughs) (laughs) no but like you know there's i mean the new york times is the new york times and a lot of successful um content creators whether you're coming from um a major publication like that or you're just really popular on TikTok, you know, are of a certain brand. And how do, how do we feel about, like, the diverse scope that's out there? Do you think, how do we feel about it? Oh, I mean, I think that there, I think that we have come a good ways, in, especially in the last couple of years, but there's still a lot to do, you know? I think that as people who make the content that you're seeing it's like really up to us to highlight different voices and to be that like catalyst for change in the industry and I think that like I said we've we've definitely become a lot more mindful of that uh, especially in the last couple years but there that doesn't mean that we 
don't have a ways to go, you know? Um, Absolutely. It's one of the reasons I started uh, this podcast kind of transitioned into what it was because it was very different from at the beginning than it is now, four and a half years later, um, was to give a voice to people like us, right? Because this food space, especially behind the lines in the kitchens and things like that can be hyper-masculine, toxic masculinity, um, all of that. And, you know, just being different, whether you're a woman, queer, trans, or whatever, in these spaces that are super food-focused, right? There isn't necessarily an understanding of anything else. And then add another layer to it. Then you're like, what do I do, you know? And so giving people like us, queer people, especially queer people of color, um, a voice is, is just really, is really different. And I don't necessarily know, at least in my opinion, if the landscape is changing now that I've been this deep in it, right? Especially, um, you know, no matter who you are, you can be problematic and we've seen it happen, right? Even with our own community. Um, but like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. Like, I just, I don't, I obviously am seeing and, like, curating and bringing interesting people into my sphere, right? And trying to bring a uh, a multitude of different kinds of people here. But I don't necessarily know that, like, the the major players out there, if it's as diverse as I'd like to see it. Does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. And that's a, a very you know, fair assessment, I think. Um, I think that in terms of food media specifically, like I said, we've come strides, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a lot more work to do. And I think that as storytellers, like it is our job to really seek out those voices that are disenfranchised and to give them agency in, in the greater landscape and to really like just put everything aside in terms of like, you know, virtue signaling. Like we're not doing this just to like say that we did it. We're doing this because it enriches our content. It enriches who we are as a society, as a brand, what have you. And I think that that's something that's really, really important. And it's also important for me, like as a white man to just like take a a look at the content that I've made over the years and, and to see like, you know, maybe this is like how I was not helping, you know, this is, I, maybe I was part of the problem at at one point and I might still be. And like, I I just think that I, there's a self-awareness component to that, that really factors in, um, very preciously to, to this, that is something that is really, um, you know, important. It's important. It's like a, it's kind of a, a sensitive, thing but also it's something that can be really empowering if you do it correctly absolutely and this once again this question just came out because of where you work i think and how how it's just like it's the new york times and here's this thing and it's it's been popular forever you know what i mean and so it's like you are you are in a position right like leagues ahead whether whether that's the truth or not, like from the outside view, you know, mm-hmm. it like just because of how you're associated with this publication. Um, it's just interesting. And now I'm realizing, too, that as far as like I bringing like, you know, a multitude of different people on this pod, I don't necessarily know if I've had this like diversity in food media and where we're going with it conversation yet so thanks yeah i mean mean, honestly this is like such a i i like that you turned into barbara walters i love i i really enjoy like answering questions and talking about this because it's important to talk about you know yes you know and um I'm sure Barbara Walters, the only thing Barbara Walters and I have in common is that we're both packing heat. Okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. There, <laughs> there it is, listener. Oh, my God. Stupid. I'm so dumb. Before we... <laughs> Before we... <laughs> 
can't even talk. <laughs> Before we cut out to the break, really quickly, I love uh, this question uh, was brought up a while ago, and I'm bringing it back uh, thanks to Michael Twitty, um, friend to the pod, friend to me, whom I love so dearly. Uh, queer food, is it a thing? Yes. I think so. How so? Talk, talk to me about your thoughts on queer food. <laughs> well, I think Are you, that... you're, you're just still stuck on pack and heat. I, <laughs> yeah, I really am. I really am. I also don't like... worry. I'll send you pictures of me and Barbara Walters when we, when we're off the pod. <laughs> oh, a my side God. by side comparison. Ooh. I, um, <laughs> queer food. <laughs> I can't. It's like really all. I made him blush. I am really. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, He's warm. Yeah. I think that <laughs> queer food. Uh, I think that it is a thing. I also am laughing because last night I was at Pieces, um, which is one of my favorite gay bars, and I'm and- surprised you're alive. But yeah, <laughs> in your I mouth, listeners, I, I'm convinced that there, there's this gay bar that's been in the West Village for quite some time called Pieces. And I'm convinced it's named Pieces because the drinks are trash. They're strong and cheap, right? For the most part. Or maybe it got a little expensive during the pandemic. But you only remember Pieces of the Evening if you're going there. That actually might be why it's called that, honestly. Yeah, um, there, yeah I, that was actually the first gay bar that I ever went to. And so it, ha- it holds a really special place in my heart. Um, but I was at Pieces last night, and speaking of, like, queer food, the drag queens, you know, bring people onto the stage, and there's, like, four people in a row, and they ask everybody what they ate that day. Because it's like, it's like, are you top, bottom, verse, what did you eat today? Are, you know, like, that's, like, the kind of, like, where my mind went when you say, what's queer food? I'm like, well, it depends on, like, if you're, like, topping, bottoming, whatever. <laughs> so, Wait, um, what? what is verse food? This is a verse <laughs> for the podcast. Right? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I just I, said podcat, podcast. Um, <laughs> the verse food, we've had... We've had the Bottoms Digest on the podcast multiple times, right? And so we know what Bottoms foods are, right? Tops can eat whatever they want because, you know, lazy. And uh, verse food, though. I think that verse food has to inevitably be bottom food, right? Yeah, right? Because you got to be ready, right? Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. So, Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> I think that in terms of, like queer spaces in food, there have been, you know, some, like, more prolific queer spaces in food um, in New York. But the one that I really want to try out now is this place called Hags. I'm not sure if you've heard of Hags. Yes, yes. I've been trying to get them on the pod, right? Um, Multiple people. If you know somebody, let me know. Honestly, Maybe I do, maybe, but and, I, um, I really want to go. Also, uh, on that topic, your colleague, whose name I'm forgetting right now, uh, author of Korean American. Oh, Eric Kim, yeah. Eric Kim, obsessed. I'm upset. Eric Kim, He's <laughs> come amazing. on the pod. Eric yes. is one of the brightest souls I've ever met. And you know what? Maybe I can, maybe I can... Put a put a pin in his ear and just say, "Go on the pod." Yeah. It's it's very fun, but when the Barbara Walters comparisons start coming out, you might need to you might need to log off. <laughs> it doesn't listen. It doesn't always turn into that, but <laughs> you are on a podcast called In Your Mouth, Queer That's Food. True. But back to queer food. We got to cut out to this break, Jesus. <laughs> back to queer food. I mean, honestly, you got you got your top food, you got your bottom food. Versus that's food it. Okay, food, that's it. Right. Yeah. Um, I love, I love, I love that you just took a direct route there, right? And this is my favorite thing about that question, which I say a lot too. And thanks, Michael Twitty, because I mean, obviously, Michael Twitty went down um, a historical road, right? And um, it's just always interesting to see what people do with the question and how how related to um their their uh careers or not is it you know and i don't know i just love the question i think it's really fun and it's always interested and now i want your opinions on what verse food is <laughs> 
And while Vaughn and I take a break to, um, you know, trade Barbara Walters nudes, um, <laughs> we're going to be back with my favorite part and your favorite part of the podcast. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. All right, Vaughn, I hope you're ready because it's time for my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast. A little something we like to call Food News Update. Food News. Ooh, honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. News Update. Folks, we have a beef thief on our hands. This beef thief stole 20 whole briskets from a Texas barbecue restaurant. We get very excited here on In Your Mouth for beef thieves, even though we do not support thievery whatsoever. <laughs> so, 20? Why, why just 20? I would, st- I would steal all the brisket. Give me all the top round beef that you can get, you know? Uh, oh, you just, pa- you just pack that beef away, don't you, Vaughn? <laughs> Amen, baby. <laughs> 20, that's like a Monday. Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, just a Monday night at the Paul Hotel. Okay, okay. <laughs> and the fact that you're laughing... <laughs> means i know too much yes oh my god thank you to food and wine who haven't who haven't caught on or maybe they have caught on that they provide me all my uh or most of my delicious food news and they're still not a sponsor hmm well there's a restaurant called la barbecue in austin texas that has been burgled at this point multiple occasions this year, sadly. And um, most recently, this unidentified perpetrator made off with 20 whole briskets, which adds up to around $3,000 worth of meat. It always fascinates me. It just always fascinates me that because there's more of this than you realize, Vaughn. There is just more beef thieves out there (laughs) than you realize. And I'm not talking Hell's Kitchen alone. Like, legit people who just go into places and steal meat. I mean, For what purpose? I, that, is, that is terrible, and I, I feel, like, very bad for La Barbecue. I mean, that... I agree. Like, why would you steal anything? I don't think I've ever stolen anything in my life, which, you know... Oh, really? I don't think so. <laughs> I no. mean, I had a rebellious stage in my... You know, late teens. I just have a big conscience. You know, I I came clean about most everything uh, in my adolescence, but three thousand dollars worth of beef makes me think of like I don't know, like the back room at the Eagle or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's more like the chunk party at Nowhere Bar. Uh, if you've uh, if you've ever been. Nowhere bar, I love you, but like throwing and, you know, a shout out to the bear community, right? Which I'm apparently part of now, but or the dad community or whatever. But like, you know where not to have a very large man convention gay party? Nowhere bar, because there's just no room. Like it's it's a tiny bar, right? (laughs) And a whole lot of man. Square feet of glory, some might say. Yes, yes. Like, <laughs> oh, maybe I need to change my my internet um, title to, <laughs> to that. I mean, uh, listen, we are not here for any thievery whatsoever. I am curious of what this person does once you steal 20 whole briskets from a smoker, right? I mean, delicious, but how do you pack that all away? You know? Or do you... <laughs> Don't ask me. Or do you like, you know, like air seal them and, and freeze them or, 
or are you providing meat for another restaurant? Um, right. Is this black market beef? Like, I don't... Black market beef. I think I saw that video. <laughs> <laughs> At the Eagle. That's what they play on loop. <laughs> on loop, right? Yes. I, we're not here for this. We're not here no, for this. No. But shout out to La Barbecue in Austin, Texas. If you're down in Austin, Texas, or maybe they have a website you can order something from, go support them because we hope you catch this this perpetrator, right? We're, we're not here for that. No. Fancy Feast will serve humans cat food-inspired dishes at an exclusive New York City pop-up restaurant. <laughs> I have seen this. <laughs> I have seen this, and I want to go. I think... Well, <laughs> what, I mean, what... Yes. I, why wouldn't you go? There's just such a morbid fascination with this. Well, we missed our opportunity because it happened early, early August. But um, cat food inspired dishes. Really? Really? And I'm surprised you didn't get a ticket being, you know, being like who you are, you know? <laughs> you know, maybe Fancy Feast did DM me about this. I'm not quite sure, but I'll, I'll go back through the archives and see. Um, I, I think I would have gone. I probably would have gone just like, again, out of the sheer morbid fascination of like, what could this be? But I think like the Choco Taco, it's got to come back at some point, right? It, it did make a pretty big splash from what I hear. Yeah, I mean... All these brands are doing the most, right, just to get a little bit of attention, especially Velveeta. But, um, but no, I think this, I think we need to start at the point of, have you ever tried animal food? Have I? Yes. Absolutely. Have yeah. you ever, like, have you ever, like, just dipped your hand in, like, the dog kibble or the cat kibble and was like, what does this taste like? Yes, I, absolutely. I have two older sisters and they're like 11 and eight years older than I am. And, I, and they used to like, you know, literally feed me dog biscuits. Uh, oh. <laughs> and so like, I, you know, like it just like as a joke, but they were kind of torturing me. Like I, I definitely have had my fair share of, um, I've tried a begging strip before. They're actually, Oh, just oh. like a little, a little nibble, a little nibble. I think that cat food is kind of where I draw the line though. That's, that's like the texture, the the smell yeah. is a little is a little woof. Yes, right. So this restaurant, which only had um, limited reservations for Gato Bianco's four tables, are only available were only available for two evenings, and they did cat food inspired dishes. So it was human food, and it all didn't look like mush. It looked like. You know, the the cat food chef and a real chef got together and, like, made... Um, it, Gato Bianco will start with a culinary exploration for cat lovers. And later courses will include baked sea bass and also buco-inspired salmon, Tuscan-style spare ribs, braised beef in a wine sauce, lemon panna cotta, and almond cake studded with chocolate. This damn cat, these damn cats are eating better than I am. That, I mean, that sounds really good. But yeah, I mean, I would eat it. I'm, I personally, yeah, I would go. Yeah, I mean, the food looks absolutely amazing. It doesn't, you know, I, I'm a little disappointed though, because I expected it to be served out of like the tins. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you said almond cake soda with chocolate, I was like, I wonder if they made it look like a cat turd. Nope. No, 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 none no, of that. No. no, they weren't trying. They were they were trying to give you like per se, not right. <laughs> not like fancy feast, like pull tab, open the open the can. They weren't have at it. For like the the Trump loy, like yeah, okay. I yeah. mean that kind of that would have been kind of fun though if they did, you know. Yeah, I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, like do it all the way. Go big or go home. That's right. What I say. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we're here for it. We Had we gotten a reservation, we would have gone. But, I mean, please, you know what? I'm just going to end this one with, please don't start opening your cat food <laughs> and and having added. I personally, we here at In Your Mouth, don't recommend that. <laughs> 
do not try this alone. And last but not least, Applebee's created chicken wing lip gloss in four saucy flavors. The Saucy Gloss Collection is inspired by an Applebee's most popular wing flavors. Oh, my God. Need. Yeah, I need it. I absolutely need it. Fried chicken is my favorite food. And yes, is wow. I, I have this like distinct memory of like of like one of my friend's birthday parties at Applebee's and like we all got the like honey chipotle chicken crispers like that there is nothing that tastes more like childhood than that to me I'm extremely here for that I love that I love that I think this was a PR miss though because it's called saucy gloss and it should be saucy glossy no oh or are like, you with me yeah or like saucier like a play on glossier that could have yes. been yeah, yeah, yeah. I get right? uh, yeah, I, I get that. That's you're right. They they need to hire yeah, so, you. Want. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um I can do it all. Um <laughs> So for National Wing Day and National Lipstick Day, which was at the end of July, they released uh Saucy Gloss and Applebee's uh, teamed up with the makeup brand Winky Lux for a limited edition collection of four lip glosses. What are the flavors, though? Yeah, hold on. Flavors. Yes, kicking off the four glosses is Get Me Hot Buffalo, described as a creamy coral that packs hot buffalo spice. Sweet Chili Kiss is is colored a deep, rich red kiss with a hint of fine golden chili specks. Be My Honey Pepper uh, is a Gorgeous golden honey spiced gloss with shimmering flecks. And finally, honey barbecue tea, which is a shiny, smoky barbecue hue with a side of honey sweetness. Honestly, those all sound great. And that's kind of like genius in a way, because when you have something spicy on your lips, it makes them plumper, you know? Well, this is where I was going. I wonder if they put like that, like bee sting in it or something to give you, you know, the full like DSL. Yeah, not that I need them, but <laughs> but like, <laughs> Honestly, like literally, Lisa Rinna found quaking. Like I think that like they they she needs to get in on this. They need to bring it back. Yeah, that and she needs to be a, a partner. Absolutely. Absolutely, and you know what? The fact that yeah, I'm a, a Lisa Rinna stan, and you just brought her up as problematic or not as she can be. I think that's the best way to end. <laughs> news update. <laughs> I'm big, big Lisa Rinna stand over here. She's going through a lot this season. We got to cut her a break. Yeah, I, you know what? I think it's all for the camera. I think it's all for the camera because she was like, and when I find out, that's when I'm going to let it go. And then two minutes later, she was like, I'm just going through a lot. I'm going through a lot. And my mom, and then she turns to Erica and she was like, Am I okay? And I was like, oh, this was all for the camera. (laughs) This was soap opera acting 101, Lisa Rinna. And I can't be mad at you for it, but I'm mad. I can't, you can't be mad at it. But Sutton did call her out for that. Sutton was like, listen, she's not turned off that soap opera acting in quite some time because she'll like have the big outburst and then a second later she'll be laughing, which is kind of why I love her. Yeah. I mean, it's why, it's why I'm a big fan. I am hoping. (laughs) She needs to come on her pod, the pod, and talk to me all about Rinna wines. I need, I need a whole Rinna wine oh my God. thing. You know, when love I you, Lisa Rinna. Apartment. When I come over to your apartment, I want Rinna wine waiting for me so that we can. Um, if I get Rinna wine, if I get <laughs> Rinna wine, we are doing like naked Rinna wine, like Instagram <laughs> content or something. <laughs> That's iconic. Amazing, amazing. Listen, before we close out, um, because this has been so much fun, something I love to ask people because it's important and because our stories matter, as we never know who's listening, is uh, coming out. And uh, before we went into Food News Update, usually I transition from queer food into coming out. And I was wondering if you would share your coming out story with us. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, so I was, in addition to uh, studying film in college, I was also a French major. So I lived in France for a little bit. And while I was over there, um, I, you know, had really started to come to terms with my sexuality on, on my terms. And I was just waiting for the right person to open up uh, to about that. And I had a friend named Pari and she and I were walking home from class one day and, you know, she was sharing something with me and I, I just felt like it was the right moment. And so I just kind of like sat her down and I was like, Pari, like I've never told anybody this. I've never even told myself this really, but I'm gay. And, um, and we kind of just like, cr- I cried. She had tears in her eyes. We just hugged it out. And it was a really, really special moment. And then we had another friend, Jenna, uh, who was with us. And like a couple weeks later, I came out to Jenna and it was this big thing. So it was kind of like our little secret while we were abroad. Um, but it was really fun. And then as I, I came back to the States, I started letting more and more people know. Um, and then I remember after my my stint in New York, um, interning in fashion, which is also when I went to pieces, which was my first gay bar. I, um, I went back home for a couple weeks before going back to school for my senior year of college. And, uh, my parents and I were, you know, kind of just like, I forget what the argument was about, but we were having an argument about something. I was just like an angsty 21 year old, like at home with my parents. And then we all just started kind of like, like I started crying, my mom started crying. And then I was like, well, while we're like being honest, I was like, I'm gay. And, you know, I just kind of blurted it out. And then uh, I, I started crying even more. And I was just crying so much that I, I couldn't really breathe. I just said, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And my dad, like, gave me a big hug. And then he, he just said, like, you know what? never apologize to me or to anybody else for who you are. And if anybody ever tries to give you shit for who you are, you tell them to come to me. And it was like, it was like the best moment of my entire life. Honestly, it it was something that I was really scared to do, you know, growing up in the South, um, in a, you know, pretty religious family. Um, it was nerve wracking, but once I let it out, it was it was really freeing. Uh, and this is kind of like the funny part of that is that my grandma, Nanny, who was a huge part of my life and like really, I kind of owe a lot of my culinary acumen to her, um, was she lived with us and she was very hard of hearing. And so my parents were like watching like Sons of Anarchy or something. And she had these headphones that she would wear in order to like be able to hear it better. And so while they muted the TV, it was still playing through her headphones and it was still going while we were having this big argument. While I came out to my family, we were all hugging and she was just like blithely unaware of anything that was going on. And I turned to my mom the next day. I was like, do you think that Nanny like knows that I came out last night? And she was like, oh honey, no. So, so she, so Nanny was literally wearing like headphones, watching Sons of Anarchy as I was, coming out to my parents in this like amazing moment. And so I had to come out to her again and she was like, Oh honey, I love it. I always knew. <laughs> oh my God. Right. Yeah. They, shout out to, shout out to the grandparents who always seem to be a step ahead of the parents sometimes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Yeah. absolutely. Well, first and foremost, thank you for sharing. We don't qualify uh, coming out stories on the pod because everybody's journey is different. And everybody's uh, journey makes them who they are, you know? And it's really special and it's really important that we hear all styles of of coming out stories because a lot of, you know, especially LGBTQ, like television and movies are a lot of struggle and strife. And although, yes, that does exist, right? There's this side of that as well. I'm also sure there's an Eiffel Tower joke in there somewhere, but I, I certainly missed my opportunity. <laughs> I'll, I'll workshop that into into the next time I share that story. 
Yes, thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm just giving you all these gems, right, yeah, to, really. to take with you for the day as you walk into the New York Times offices and being like, I was, I just met the craziest person today. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I think that like maybe our energies, I, they've, they've matched each other quite well. And like I said, I was at pieces last night. I did not have as much energy this morning as I thought that I would maybe have, but it's brought me right back. Yeah. Back I love that. Spe- speaking of your nanny, what was like the best thing she made or in honor of her, what was like the best thing she taught you to make? Give us some of that. Oh, my God. Uh, Well, anytime we would go over to her house before she moved in with my parents, she would always have a pot of chicken and dumplings on the stove. Mm. And that was, some people call it chicken and pastry. It's basically like these, like, Anne's dumplings, which are essentially flour and water that are frozen. It's kind of like mix it with... Um, you boil it with chicken stock and shredded chicken and it just kind of comes together. And it's like, that is the quintessential nanny thing. We would always have it no matter what else we were having. It was always chicken and dumplings. She always had butter beans on the stove too. And she would grow Mm. a lot of this stuff herself. Um, And then in terms of dessert, nanny made so many amazing things. We would always make candy during Christmas but the best thing that she would make is this stuff called cherry yum yum. And I think I might be developing this recipe for the times this year. It's like like cream cheese and this stuff called dream whip, which is essentially like stabilized, like a sugar stabilizer yeah. that like you put with cream and then it makes whipped cream. And you mix that with the cream cheese and then you layer it. It's like graham cracker crust, this like cream cheese dream whip mixture and then cherry pie filling and then you layer that and it's incredible it's so it sounds good. like an ice box cake almost but it like with different of, like yeah yeah little fillings. almost like an ice box cake it's in like a nine by 13 so it's not technically a trifle um it's it's so good oh, and it's like why so don't we easy. why don't we just get technical, on this, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> get technical. <laughs> um, but that is like the bet that to me, like, uh, since Nanny passed last year, but, like, uh, kind of all the family gatherings, we always have, you know, the chick, we always, sorry, we always have the chicken and dumplings. We always have the cherry yum yum to kind of, like, commemorate her. I love that. Before we close out, uh, most favorite, most favorite video you've made as of recent or that the one video that everybody should watch that's, like, this is the video that you need to see. Ooh, that's such a tough question. Um, hmm. So recently, I would say that worked on a, I've worked on a lot of really fun projects recently. Some of them I can't really talk about just quite yet. Um, mm-hmm. One video in particular I'm filming for Thanksgiving, and I'm not sure when this podcast is coming out, but stay tuned uh, to the New York Times YouTube channel and all social accounts, you know, a little plug there for Thanksgiving because we're going to have some incredibly big things coming up. Um, recently, I, I've been doing this kind of like cooking the comments thing because the, the, our NYT cooking is quite known for the very useful but sometimes outrageous comments that are on our recipes. And so I made the Catherine Hepburn brownies and, you know, was able to go through and parse the comments. And there's just this one like really ridiculous comment about this woman who, who you know, gave the recipe to a friend and then later you find out that the friend stole her husband but she just like types it out in this like very direct way and it's hilarious um so i would say that that's like a very vaughn video but in terms of all time i don't i can't really i can't really choose one but when i was at buzzfeed i worked on this show called made by hand and it was like a very like you know i was like on the heels of chef's table so we interviewed Mm -hmm. a lot of different people and and kind of like did this slow motion video and we did this beautiful noodle video, this like Japanese dessert video. Um, so those are some of my favorite projects I can like think about in like the, the archive of my videos that I loved. All right. All right. Um, first and foremost, a very Vaughn, a line of creamy sauces or like, <laughs> Brand- listen, I'm great in branding and marketing. Say, I miss my, marketing- I miss my calling. You need, I, I mean, listen, if I ever need a marketing manager, yeah. I know who I'm calling. Exactly. Please. Very Vaughn, right? Very it fun. sounds like, 
Yeah, uh, you could have a whole line of things that are just very Vaughn. Very right? Vaughn. I like it. Secondly, yeah, I say it in an accent though, like right? very Vaughn. Very Vaughn, like a la the Countess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> say chic, say la vie. Um, and secondly, Catherine Hepburn brownies, like what? What? <laughs> We don't have time for it, but all I can think about is no, then the brownies are burning. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> I I did try my hand at a transatlantic accent in the video, and um, it it definitely it definitely skewed a little Blanche, uh, Golden Girls vibes. But I tried, and listen, yeah. I never I never purported to be a, an expert. <laughs> of the transatlantic accent, but you yes. know. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a non-binary folk and Vaughn as well. Um, if you don't know who Alexandra Billings is, please first go f- follow Alexandra Billings on the internet, uh, famous trans actress, but you need to fall down a YouTube hole, hole of Alexandra Billings doing um, a YouTube series called Katie Cooks. Right? Oh, no, Katie's Corner. It's called Katie's Corner, where she's Catherine Hepburn doing a talk show. And more often than not, she's like cooking and doing all sorts of things. And then if you compare it side by side with old Catherine Hepburn interviews, it's very <laughs> on point. And it's one of the most hysterical things that I used to be very, very obsessed with before Alexandra Billings became, uh, you know, worldwide. I looked you know? at Alexandra Billings' videos before doing that video. It's like, okay, so if, you know, how does she mm-hmm. impersonate? You gotta, you gotta just, yes. gotta look to yep. the icon. If you wanna be a ditch digger, you have to, or no, she goes, if you wanna be a model, you have to be a ditch digger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Catherine Hepburn is one of my favorite things. Norman, you old poop. Norman, the loons are coming. Right. On, if you haven't seen on Golden Pond, um, it yeah. came in your gay box, and I could talk about Catherine Hepburn forever. And it's, I'm sure everyone's annoyed. Same. No, I honestly could too. We, this could this could go on for hours. I know, absolutely. Vaughn, uh, what's next for you? What's next for me? We're in we're in holiday. Besides Christmas and yeah, and Thanksgiving holiday mode, we are deep into Thanksgiving right now. Um, so that's that's what's coming down the pipeline. And again, I can't really talk too much about some of the things, but stay tuned. They will be very exciting. Um, awesome. And then rest, honestly, just rest. Yes, yes. Put your feet up, right? Put your heels and your hoop earrings and, you know, take a nap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> give the kids all the handles. Give them, you know, the... The Instagram, the Twitter, the alt Twitter. Give them, give us all the handles, please. Uh, at Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-N. That's me on Instagram. Twitter, not a very active user, um, unless it's my alt Twitter, which I'm not going to give out on this podcast. <laughs> to say. Uh, and I'm not on TikTok, really, but you can find me on TikTok at NYT Cooking, and you can find a lot of the other things that I do on the internet at NYT Cooking on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the pod and giving me time out of your very, very, very busy schedule of, you know, working for the times and drinking your face off at pieces. Um, I really, really appreciate it. It's been an honor to have you here. It's been an Um, honor to be on. And now you are part of my big gay food village. Um, So you are always welcome here. Me podcast as Sue podcast. In your mouth, listeners, um, you better soak in the last of this summer, y'all. Like, break out the rosé, you know, forget the calories at this point, because Lord knows I have. And um, live your best lives uh, through the next two weeks, please. But do it safely. Please go get all the vaccines, all the vaccines. And, and you know, we got to take care of each other. Absolutely. Other than that, um, thanks for listening. Uh, shout out again to Amazon Music for featuring me and showing me all the love. Um, I love you too. And with that, all I have to say is thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth. Oh, oh. 
Bonds. <laughs>